We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're answering listener questions on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. If you listened in on Tuesday, you would know that we actually took a long time talking about the Rams, Anthony Miller, as well as the Texans. So that brings us to a listener question dedicated episode. I'm ready for it. How are you doing, Curtis? Well, listen, man, as uh, as people are probably listening to this episode, I am at, at this point probably preparing uh, a quick overnight bag. I'm going to have a short, less than 24 hour turnaround drive to Buffalo, New York and back uh, in order to go to uh, one of the regional federal passport agency locations because the government is really, really behind on distribution of uh, you know, those sacred uh, travel documents. And I'm supposed to, this Sunday, I'm supposed to go enjoy the fruits of my Alvin Kamara main event uh, cash cow last <laughs> season and uh, take my wife to Jamaica on Sunday for our 15th anniversary. But my, my renewed passports have not arrived despite us sending all of the proper uh, documentation in uh, months ago. So my option is to drive from Columbus, Ohio to Buffalo, New York for a 12 o'clock appointment on Thursday 
Um, so if you're, if you live in Buffalo or in between Cleveland and Buffalo, I want to wave a good chance. I'm going to drive by your place. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm a little salty about this one, man, but the, the good news is at the end of the yellow big brick road, you know, I'm going to be, you know, sipping some frozen cocktails, uh, in paradise for a few days with my lovely lady. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you a safe journey and, uh, you know, best of luck on that. And I, I rest assured that the entire trip you will just be listening to all of the fantastic podcasts we have on the Rotoviz Radio Network. Oh, for sure, man. I'm going to listen to a little Dynasty Trades cast. I'm going to listen to a little Stealing Bananas, a little Rotoviz Overtime, little fantasy football mailbag, perhaps, or maybe some of uh, some some deep issues from uh, you know yesteryear of the the fantasy football show. Um, <laughs> you know, who who knows what I might get into. Uh, maybe even uh, relive some of my favorite moments ever on Road of His Radio in the old uh, Solis Report. Uh, very, very underrated comedy uh, there from those kind gents. So, yeah, but yeah, that, that's a nice, not so subtle plug for all the other great content and more. Oh, by the way, failed to mention. Uh, yeah, definitely failed to mention the great work being done by our Devi department. You've really got to uh, check out. Uh, Travis May, Stefan Laco, and Matt Wispy, what they're doing um, uh, with with all of our Debbie content on Road of His Radio as well. So plenty of stuff to to listen to. And I guess I'll be, you know, I guess I'll be uh, sampling some of the goods myself. Very nice. Very nice. I'd also recommend downloading a very good text to speech app too, so you can just pop our articles into there too, and just listen to the articles on the drive. I have done that before. Fantastic way to spend a couple of hours. More importantly, though, Let's get to these listener questions. Uh, here is the first one, and hopefully, Curtis, I've been doing decent with the drops this week. Hopefully, I'm going to play these in the order that I want. Hey, Dave, Curtis. This is Kyle from Orlando. I just have a question about switching a mindset from best ball, where I kind of believe, you know, I want to build a portfolio, and there's almost anything that can happen. So I'm a little nihilistic about some of my projections and how to switch that mindset down into something with more conviction for redraft. Um, let me know your guys thoughts. Thanks. Bye. All right. So essentially the question is how do you mentally make that switch from where you're playing in these best ball drafts? You're probably drafting many teams in these best ball drafts. You're trying to account for all of these different scenarios that could play out. You want to have some exposure to a lot of players, a lot of different teams, maybe build your teams in all of these different ways, just in case things shake out in ways that you couldn't imagine. So how do you reframe your thinking when it comes back to the point now, Curtis, where you're drafting these teams that you're going to manage, you're not going to have as many of these teams. And for many people, they're approaching these as the leagues that they really care about. So if they were trying to put their best foot forward, they'd want to do it in these leagues. I have some thoughts on that, but I'll let you kind of open with how you might mentally make that transition. Yeah. Um, I think it makes sense to, when you're thinking about redraft only and you, uh, you don't want to have a, a portfolio mindset as Kyle uh, mentioned that maybe he's struggling with, looking at each league as its own opportunity, um, being willing to, I mean, you need to have a draft plan more so than in best ball where you might have a grand plan for 
uh, a percentage of exposure that you want um, to each player, uh, each redraft scenario uh, can be very different. And so uh, that that might mean a little bit of a deeper dive on the specific rules. So for example, if you're talking about the FFPC main event, or maybe the FFPC football guys players championship, uh, for example, or any number of other, you know, high stakes uh, redraft tournaments versus just a straight up redraft league, I think understanding who you're playing against makes sense. And then are you playing a league? Or are you playing a league within a league, like some of those big events, because that also will change uh, probably your appetite for risk in order to have access to upside versus just wanting the highest possible floor uh, to ensure your chance of, of making the playoffs and getting into, you know, kind of that anything goes scenario. So that's some, maybe some like macro level strategic thoughts. But then I also think there's some things you can do with your player targets. Um, you know, we're huge proponents, particularly in best ball, but also in roster management leagues of, um, you know, the one elite running back early approach. I think in certain draft spots, also zero RB still makes, you know, plenty of sense. Uh, depending on how the board presents itself to you. And then there's other, you know, opportunities where, you know, maybe it just is one of those drafts where you intend to go one elite RB early and then, you know, a really key player drops or the whole league waits on quarterback and Patrick Mahomes is sitting there in the fifth round instead of the third round or something like that. Uh, there, you know, uh, making adjustments in just a one draft scenario, I have so much more of an appreciation for people you know, playing the draft as it comes uh, in, in those standpoints. And, and a perfect example of this, Kyle, I'll point you to a recent article on the site. It actually just posted, uh, it actually just posted today. Um, and well, not to, it's today when I'm recording this, not today when you're listening. It posted earlier this week, Kyle. Um, and uh, it's by Sean Siegel. And, and he actually talks about his approach to the double digit rounds of, of a redraft uh, draft and talks about building safety and upside into your rosters. And so, you, you know, traditionally like in best ball drafts, we're starting to look at those kind of zero RB or breakout running back candidates as we approach the double digit rounds of a draft. But ADP this year has players like Jarvis Landry and Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, some players who have that nice balance of assumed opportunity but also some upside there and so uh, he actually found in this co-owned opportunity with Blair Andrews and Colm Kelly it's a a three-man draft that they're doing together uh, in a triple ownership situation he found himself in round nine actually having two quarterbacks it's not even super flex two quarterbacks two running backs two wide receivers and two tight ends that is so atypical of a Sean Siegel draft Um, I bet this is one of the only times that's ever happened for him but it's an example of playing the board as it falls um, and, you know, not forcing, even as much as we love structural-based drafting, not forcing it when it absolutely makes no sense. And then what do you do uh, when you find yourself in that situation? So uh, Sean does a, a masterful job of explaining his process in this draft as it unfolded. Uh, so if you want more than that, I think you could read the article. Um, but really just those high-level high takeaways specific plans for specific drafts and specific rules um, be a little bit flexible and then know where uh, to target um, those specific types of players maybe wait a little bit later on those home run picks in uh, in favor of you know proven players or players with baked in opportunity in those late single digit and early double digit rounds Dave what other advice would you have for Kyle so I think that one 
thing that you can do when you're in your redraft league and you're getting away from best ball is that every pick as you're, as you're watching other teams make their pick and you, you can feel the clock making its way around to you. You should ask yourself, why am I making this pick? Every pick should have a reason. And I think that in a redraft league, you want it, the reasons to be different than what they might be in a best ball league. Because in a best ball draft, you might say, well, I want to get a little bit of Anthony Miller and I don't have any Anthony Miller yet. Or you could say, I am trying to execute this specific build where I have seven wide receivers and I'm taking my wide receiver seven by round 13 or, so, or something like you got out of the roster construction explorer. Those should not be the answers in a redraft league. The answer should be something like I am taking this player because at this point in the draft, I have my veteran running backs that I feel good about. I am looking to take a shot on a younger player that has the upside that could really be game changing for me. Or the reason could be I am drafting this veteran wide receiver in the spot because I can tell that there's a tier break coming of the remaining wide receivers. I feel that this player has the best balance of potential with the workload that you need to justify going in round X or whatever you're in. So I think asking yourself those series of questions is very important. And then I also think, and this hits upon what Curtis said, it's a lot more important in redraft leagues to head in with a plan and have a bit of a script where you're scripting out the different ways the draft could go and you have a plan of attack depending how things vary. So you're almost giving yourself this list of targets that you really like, players that you feel good about, that if you said to yourself, if I'm building a range of outcomes and I'm looking for, I, I talk about this so often, but I think it's huge. And I, I picture that distribution in my head. I want to get players where I have a pretty good sense of where that distribution is the densest and it's an area where I want it, right? And you get your list of those players and then when you're in your draft, that's already giving you the guys that you're planning on taking and that way you're not kind of getting caught off guard and saying, oh, for this pick, I'll just throw out and you know I'll just toss this one on James Robinson and see what happens. So I think it's almost just like getting yourself in that mindset and having that plan of attack. Um, that's kind of what I do that I find helpful. Curtis, anything else that that kind of brought to the forefront of your mind for you? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, the only other thing I was going to mention is just a much closer, uh, well, well, actually two things. And they're, they're really, uh, 
kind of boring things to talk about, but this is like the the minutia that, that is the difference between being a pretty good redraft player and being an excellent one. Um, you have to have uh, a plan for bye weeks if your most elite players have late buys. And, you know, with week 17, uh, what, what there being eight, 18 weeks and, and 17 weeks worth of football this year, we actually have uh, week 14 buys in the NFL this week. And so, you know, that may be lost on some people and some really key players have, you know, buys in week 14 and in the draft I was talking about that, that, uh, Sean just completed, uh, the early selection of Jonathan Taylor in week 14, you know, depending on your league rules, you know, that could be fantasy playoff time. Um, commissioners, there's going to be plenty of commissioners in, in like home leagues or, um, you know, even smaller services maybe that, that don't adjust their fantasy season schedules to, uh, um, you know, accommodate for those late buys. So understand, um, when your elite players in particular have buys and have a plan uh, for how you would backfill that. So in this draft, uh, you know, our, uh, our our team of three Rotovisians there selected Javonta Williams because of, you know, the, the strong history that um, early uh, rookie running back selections have, you know, kind of finishing the season hot. Um, it happens with a couple guys every year. And so, you know, their story of their roster here is that, you know, Williams breaks out toward the end of the year helps them cover uh, Jonathan Taylor's buy at that, that crucial juncture. Um, and then, you know, I think also, you know, an, another thing to remember in redraft is you have the benefit of the waiver wire. And so, um, yeah, you know, that that is so material. Uh, and it's the, really the biggest difference to appreciate between best ball and, and redraft. So um, it is so much easier, so much easier to find a running back uh, via the waiver wire than a receiver. Um, it's basically impossible to find a, to find a tight end worth anything on the waiver wire. Um, and, and we know that in, unless you're in, unless it's a home league where people are just really like belt and suspenders approach to drafting, there's probably always a quarterback out there that's startable uh, if you squint hard enough each week. So I would just make sure in a redraft scenario uh, you know, you're deep enough at wide receiver and that you either go tight end early or if you don't go tight end early, make sure you select uh, a, a backup that might fall within your top 15 to 16. You want to have, you know, two tight ends uh, in that top, uh, you know, kind of th- that range where people could potentially finish as a tight end one. Uh, you need to cover yourself and make sure you don't double up on your tight end by week. So that way you only have to draft two tight ends. Those are just a, a couple closing thoughts there. Yeah, actually, I, I was glad that you brought up the waiver wire because that thought had occurred to me and I was worried I was going to lose it. Um, so the other thing about that, too, that I would say that you can kind of think about differently in your head is that the roster that you're building while you're drafting, you're not married to at all. Like, you know, that's not going to be the roster that you have at the end of the season. So it, it, while it's somewhat counterintuitive, it's actually almost more okay to take chances on players towards the end of your redraft league, because you know that if it doesn't work out at all for them, you're just moving along. Right. So that's another thing to keep in mind. So I actually think it kind of, in some regards, gives you a little bit more flexibility than you might have in best ball. Of course, you know, it's fewer rounds, but you know, you keep that in mind while you're working through it. And I also think 
that that like that piece of how many rounds there are too. you also do need to be thinking about. I know this is a little bit different than getting your mind in a different kind of framework, but that's also really important to think about because the player pool at the end of a redraft league is lots of times different than the player pool available at the end of a best ball draft. So I would recommend you go and get the recently released 2021 version of the draft dashboard and start doing some mocks. That should help you a lot. Um, and uh, I had one more. Oh, an interesting thought here on bye weeks that, that I normally don't look at bye weeks that much. But when I do, I actually think that there's an incentive for me to stack my really good players so that they all have bye weeks falling on the same week. I like to have one week where my guys are out and then try to be at full strength in the other weeks. But that's probably a conversation for a much more in-depth episode. Yeah, my immediate response to that is that that assumes that everyone will be healthy. So it just feels like, like in a perfect world, just taking the L in a week to guarantee an increased probability of a W in all other weeks, it does make sense. Um, but so many injuries occur uh, that it, and and you're playing against right, but others, see, I bring other that up strategists. Just to, yeah, what's that? I, I kind of bring it up just to highlight, like for me, yeah. I actually, that's like my thing. Well, like when you're drafting the other players, you don't know. There's so many other notes. Like you don't even know like the players that you're drafting to be the backfills for them. You don't even know that they're actually going to be on your roster when the time comes around. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's all types of, of things we can get into our own heads, <laughs> our, in our own heads with. But hey, listen, Kyle, man, um, thanks so much for calling in. I think uh, not only uh, was it fun to answer your question. I think that was a, a great question that probably allowed us to answer lots of other questions that other listeners might have. So thanks so much for your call, man. Yeah, that was awesome. Now, this one is more of a note, but I wanted to play it because I think it's helpful for people to listen to. And it actually relates back to that first question very nicely. Hey, what's up, Rotoviz? This is uh, El Baño Commando. Um, you guys are talking about the Win the Flex tool, and I wanted to tell you guys how I used it last year. I uh, customized it to my uh, league specifications so I would know what order to draft um, what positions. Then I input the actual players based on my favorite analyst rankings. Um, and that way I was drafting the right types of guys um, at the right time, but also taking into account my favorite house player analysis. Um, it's better than drafting off rankings, but still takes into account your favorite um, draft kit or player evaluators. Uh, thanks, guys. So, first of all, one of the absolute best Twitter handles in existence, <laughs> Albano Commando. The bathroom uh, also commander. Also, one of my favorite followers. The bathroom yes. commander. Yeah, Curtis. I got to so look, I gotta look this guy He was actually up, commanding the bathroom. Dude, man, if, if there's going to yeah, be a Yeah, he room, was commanding gonna, the bathroom command before you were commanding things in the fantasy world. Listen, man, of the, of the <laughs> rooms in your house that you could potentially command, I mean, that might be the 101. Um, so Albano Commando. Okay, Dave, you're gonna have to captain the ship for a second, man. I'm I'm literally gonna look this guy up and make sure I'm following him, uh, because I I will forget. Yeah. Well, so as I was saying, one of my favorite followers, I think actually a number of podcasts that I've been on, he sent in um questions for. So I've always loved that name, but I also think that uh, he brings up a really good point, which gets back to preparing for a draft and how you might be able to do that with tools that we have here at Rotoviz or, or really anywhere. Cause kind of his point is one way that you can plan for your draft 
is you identify the positions that you're going to need to be taking at different points. But then on top of that, you then hone in on the players that are going to be available at that point in that draft. And you already have that list of names ready to go. So one thing that I've been thinking about writing about is having like um, a concept of, and I haven't come up with a good name for it, but basically you have like, and this is one of the things I talk a lot about for auctions. You have five different paths that you could go on your draft and you kind of like pre-populate these based upon, okay, at this point in this draft, I should probably be focusing on this position and I should be thinking about these specific players. So the point that he makes there of for your specific league, how you come up with kind of scripting which positions you should go for, one great way to do that is with the win the flex tool. And then you layer the players on top of that. So I always love to hear about how people are using the tools because I think there's a lot of different ways that you can. So I, I just wanted to share that with everybody and really appreciate the con- the uh, the listener note there. Yeah, listen, man. Um, absolutely absolutely elite uh elite handle um i just followed you albano commando on twitter uh so thanks for thanks for the call good question um i think this is going to dovetail nicely too with the next question dave but i will make a comment um that that is you know uh what the caller brings up is generally how um i approach building my personal draft boards and um, this is carried over to two of my favorite drafts that that I do every year Uh, and I think you and I will have a chance to do it this year Uh, we've never drafted a team together but we'll be able to do that this year but when I draft uh, my pros versus Joe's team for FFPC with Ryan McDowell and then also when I do my main event teams with Sean um, what we do is actually uh, we have our, our own rankings but we create the roadmap for our draft based off of the most current ADP that we have And so we look for those spots um, in the draft where there are concentrations of players or if there are key players who are just sprinkled in um, what looks to be like a positional run that's occurring in ADP. We make note of those things, but then we basically have we have targets, so specific targets, and those are players that we'll take uh, before, ideally before ADP. And then we have um, targets if they're a value. And so those are players that we're not opposed to taking at ADP or if they drop below ADP. And then we actually just eliminate all other players from our board. Um, and only in the rarest of scenarios would we have to go uh, off of our board at that point. And so that's one other thing I would just add for El Banyo Commando. It's not just about the positions that you would take, but you could actually do this exercise if you would just include ADP in your process. And then, um, inc- you know, hopefully some of your rankers are from Rotoviz, but, you know, there's plenty of great rankers out there. Um, get those analyst rankings that you're using. Uh, cross map them you know with ADP and then just remove the players you have no interest in there's no point in even worrying about like listen at what point would I take Robbie Anderson Um, if Robbie Anderson is not on your board uh, because all of your analysts that you follow have him seven spots or 12 spots or 15 spots below positional ADP as it's going just get the noise off of there that's just going to simplify your process and uh, help you avoid a potential analysis paralysis situation when you're on the clock. Yeah. Fantastic points there. Um, the final question, this was one that we received in email. So I'm just going to quickly talk about it. It was just kind of, um, the idea of when I go through my projections and then make my way over to my rankings, if I am trying to make my projections and my rankings align. 
And I think that's a really interesting question. Sean and uh, Ben actually talked about this a lot on an episode of Stealing Bananas. Um, my take has been that my projections are just one input into my process. So as a result of that, my projections and my rankings actually don't always mirror each other. And the reason for that is in my projections, I am forced to land on one thing that in that specific case is supposed to represent the truth. But I know that in real life, I'm going to be off on a lot of those projections because A, I might have assessed a player incorrectly. B, I might have not anticipated how that offense is going to run. And then C, a bunch of things that I could never even anticipate are going to play out. So when I go to do the final rankings, I'm looking at that projections. That's the, that, that's kind of like my baseline for what I might expect for volume, for efficiency. I'm then going to look at the range of outcomes tool. That's going to shape it. I'm going to read articles from other people at Rotoviz, listen to people from other sites, maybe read an article or two from different sites, just so that I'm making sure I'm not missing anything. And then I'm going to say, okay, it looks like this player is poised to do pretty well. And in best case scenario, it might look like this worst case scenario. It looks like that. And then I go back to that kind of idea of looking for the dentist part of the probability distribution. And as a result of that, in my rankings, I am making sure that they're not overly biased for a player that scored really well in my projections. But I know that that's a situation that even though I feel good about it, there's a ton of things that could make that change. Yeah. One, one, simpler way uh maybe of addressing this question too is when when you layer in what we have in the range of outcomes tool uh with projections that's that's going to end up being closer to uh what rankings should look like because you know projections are supposed to represent you know the most probable outcome uh, for a team based off of, you know, kind of our top down approach to those projections, the range of outcomes tool then tells us what does a breakout look like for this player if he does exceed uh, this projection or what does what does the floor look like if if he fails to live up to his projection. Um, and, and so that's really how you arrive at a ranking set is you have to adjust for upside uh, and downside and, you know, in a redraft format, that's a singular league floor matters so much more um, even than upside. And then once you get into a redraft tournament or a best ball situation, um, you know, the, the upside and the appetite for risk just need to increase based off of the number of entries and, you know, the potential uh, winnings uh, for the grand prize. So uh, that, that's a, a way to think about it is if, if you look at projections and then account for range of outcomes and what those hits and misses look like, that's where you find uh, a path to what rankings should represent. And my apologies to the gentleman that sent this question in. Um, this was via email. I looked at it right before the show. I forgot to pull that over and I cannot find uh, your information right now. But since it was email, we probably don't need to share it anyways. But I thank you for the question. And Curtis, that's going to close things down here. We will be back on Friday, but who knows? Maybe even uh, you'll hear from one of us at a point prior to Friday, but if not, we will see you then. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. 
Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.